There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla, producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the Hello, I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange the latest news, views and a bit of timely advice on all matters gardening. Later on, I'll be speaking to Raymond Everson, internationally known clematis expert. If you want to know anything about clematis, then Raymond's your man. My thanks to Suttons of Torquay, sponsors of this week's podcast. Well, last weekend, the weather was uh, pretty good for early March, uh, and it's uh, a bit exceptional, really. I always talk about the blackthorn winter, because when the slow bushes, the blackthorn comes into flower, invariably we have a really cold snap. And this year, apart from uh, one sharp night frost, we haven't really had a blackthorn winter. And, of course, it is the 250th anniversary of Wordsworth's birth. And, goodness, there are some daffodils about now. Lots and lots of golden daffodils. I think the RHS are going to make some sort of song and dance about the Wordsworth anniversary, but they have to be quick because with this mild weather, they're coming out in uh, mass numbers. I was at Hyde Hall, and really, as you drive in, the, the little small... Uh, daffs in the grass are quite spectacular. If you look at one of our latest videos, we've actually got a two or three uh, minute piece on daffodils and especially the primulas, which are flowering very well. The double bellerina primroses are absolutely fantastic. And of course, uh, I've mentioned several times the what looks like a wild primrose, but uh, it's uh, a hybrid primula everlast. It's a fantastic thing. There's a mound of flowers on every plant pretty well from uh, October right the way through to May. It's uh, self-cleaning, as we say. You don't need to deadhead it. Although, quite honestly, if they've had an awful smashing with rain and wind, it might be worth taking one or two flowers off. Uh, but it's a really fantastic plant. Now, when it comes to news this week, I was at a grower meeting in Essex where they were discussing uh, peat-free potting composts. It's a really difficult subject for me. I understand that uh, they are now getting some really good peat-free composts using particularly um, wood fibres, coir, and a lot of green waste. 
The problem, of course, with green waste, as I've mentioned, is that if it's the ordinary municipal green waste, it tends to vary with the seasons. But some of these big manufacturers are now going to power-generating composters using material that's come from food factories, and there the output is pretty standard. And so we stand a better chance of getting composts that are reliable. Although the big message to me was that these peat-free and much peat-reduced composts are going to cost 20% more, in part because of... the weight and the cost of transporting. Elsewhere, Haskins have opened their redeveloped Snow Hill Garden Centre in Kent. That was always a busy centre, but uh, they've now spent £15 million there, so uh, that should be well worth a visit. And Fluoroselect, the international organisation that trials new introductions of plants from breeders uh, internationally, have just announced the three gold medal plants for 2021. From Pan America, there's a Celosia argentea Geco Green, which is grown as much for its foliage as the flowers, a really green burgundy leaves, very attractive. There's a new Delphinium grandiflora, Cheer Blue from Japan, and that's the most vibrant blue. Well, it's also timely for me to tell you that uh, if you sow some Delphinium seed now of any of the different kinds, they'll be in flower in September. Uh, And a good thing to do is to sow a nice lot and then when they do flower, just mark the colours and the spikes of bloom that you find most attractive uh, and then you can plant those permanently into the border or in containers and the lesser ones can be uh, given away or, or destroyed. Uh, the third plant in the Fluoroselect Awards for 2021 is a Rudbeckia herta Amarillo Gold and that comes from Benari in Germany. I mean, they're great Radbeckia breeders, and I'm sure we'll be including that in the trial of 90 different Radbeckias at Hyde Hall in the Fluoroselect trial this summer. Should be well worth looking at. Now, out in the garden, the season is much earlier than normal. My early plum is in full flower, a mass of white flower. Uh, And so if you've got any apples or pears that still haven't been pruned, you need to crack on with that. Uh, I was busy this week just recording a little three-minute how-to video on pruning apples. And so if you go on to Sun Gardening, just track down videos and then look for the one on apple pruning. I hope that some of the advice we give you there would be helpful. As well as the sowing of delphiniums, I'll be sowing a few scabias too. Perennial scabrous are quite a favourite of mine and they have very interesting seeds. They're shuttlecock shaped and if uh, when you sow them I'll use one of those big cell trays, fill it with seed compost and then with a sharpened pencil I'll make an inverted cone shape and I can drop each of those shuttlecock type seeds into that cone hole and they seem to uh, germinate and grow much more easily than if you just scatter them and then cover them with compost, which is the uh, you know standard treatment for most seeds. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Now I'm very pleased to introduce our guest, Mr. Raymond Everson, who I've known for some time. And just running my eye down his CV, uh, it's going to embarrass him a bit, I suppose, but uh, he started his horticultural career in Shropshire, aged 15, in 1959, moved to Guernsey to set up the Guernsey Clematis Company in 1984, spent 60 years searching for breeding and developing the world's best clematis and plants are available obviously from him and from garden centres across Britain in their distinctive blue pot and label. His first book, Making the Most of Clematis, uh, was published in 1977 and, and I still refer to it. In 1984, he formed the International Clematis Society and in 85 to 96 was on the RHS Council and for a part of that time chair of the show's committee. And then in 1995, the Royal Horticultural Society gave him the VMH, which is their highest order, the Victorian Medal of Honour, and he was also made Guernsey Ambassador of the Year. And in 2000, he received the OBE from the Queen. Uh, very well earned, I should think. Uh, but it didn't end there. In 2005, he won the RHS Regional Corrie Memorial Cup for breeding new plants. Uh, and in 2008, his latest book, Clematis for Small Spaces. 15 consecutive Chelsea Flower Show gold medals, including the Lawrence Medal in 2003 for the best exhibit put before the Society that year. Goodness, Raymond, what a list. Out of all that lot, what do you think was the highlight for you? Oh, gosh, Peter, you know, I've been so so fortunate with all the things that, that, uh, that I've been able, able to do uh, with Clematis. With, with really, really difficult to say. I, I certainly enjoyed uh, starting the International Clematis Society because that brought, um, you know, clematis enthusiasts rather from well throughout the world together, and that is still running, as you know. Yeah. I very, very much enjoyed my my period on RHS council. In all, I think I was on council for sixteen years, and been involved in a lot of very, very exciting projects. Um, and I know, you know, when I joined council with Robin Herbert as the president, I think there were only seventy five thousand members I think within 
too. I can't remember a few years. That was up to a quarter million members. And as you know now, I think we're over half a million members of the RHS. So it's, it's a great thrill to be involved with, with all of that uh, you know, ongoing work of the RHS. And it's a marvellous organisation. Your activity in Guernsey is very interesting. I mean, it, it must have taken some nerve to... Uh, go out there and, and to start a completely new company. I remember arriving on a boat in a December morning to get things underway and it was frosty and there wasn't supposed to be frost in Guernsey. That day it rained and it was just cold and wet and I thought, what am I really doing here? <laughs> but, but of course, why I, I started the Guernsey Clematis Nursery is because during the winter of 1981 in, in England when I was a junior partner of the Treasures of Tenbury business, um, you know, we ran the John Treasures Burford House Gardens that was all part of the Treasures of Tenbury company. So we had temperatures um, uh, after in the new year to minus 20 Celsius. And one day, one night rather in March, we got to minus 26 Celsius. And that was really a terrible time because um, I had, I know, 80,000 young clematis plants growing in um, in three-inch, seven-centimeter pots in polythene tunnel houses. We had heaters there, but the heaters obviously just could not cope with the with the, such cold. Um, and altogether in the nursery, we lost a third of all of our plants. We learned a lot about clematis because uh, nearly all the plants were really killed right down to ground level. So it, it was an interesting time. So that's why I started the Guernsey Clematis Nursery, so that we could grow the plants here in, in a much better climate. The light levels here in Guernsey are 20% better than the south coast of England. And today, um, here we are, what, March, and I know in the nursery we've already stuck um, about 300,000 cuttings. Now, uh, going back to the Treasures of Timber days, we couldn't really start cuttings until early April if we were lucky and we had to finish by mid-July. Otherwise, the plants didn't become what I call an integrated plant. So here in Guernsey, we can start our propagation usually at the end of January and go on uh, with um, lighting and ex extended heat, etc. Um, we can go on to mid-October. When you moved to Guernsey, Raymond, it was a critical time, wasn't it? Because there was, I think, more than a thousand vineries growing tomatoes, uh, and and uh, they were looking for alternative crops. So you you must have moved in at uh, a suitable time. Uh, both commercially as well as climate-wise. Yeah, yes, Peter, that, that's right. Um, as we moved into Guernsey, the, the tomato industry had really collapsed, sadly. And I know I was able to buy my first acre of glass and a bit of land for £22,500. And that's all I had in my back pocket at the time. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, it was so sad because uh, at the height of the tomato industry here, 15% of Guernsey was covered with glass houses um, and um, you know, the, the income from tomatoes at the height was £84 million a year from just tomatoes alone, which is incredible really because the, the money or profits from tomatoes helped obviously to um, build a, a better airport, build better roads and obviously the infrastructure of the docks and everything. So it was really, really sad to, to see that go and uh, 
than now today. I think there are only very, very few uh, tomatoes grown on the island. And embarrassingly, I think actually tomatoes come from Jersey to Guernsey, (laughs) 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 which the old tomato growers would have been pretty, pretty furious uh, about. Can can you take us through uh, the breeding of uh, clematis? When do you start to do the crossing uh, um, and how many seedlings are you raising? We've already started for for this year and so the main pollination happens during the end of March, April and we we finish uh, the pollination by about mid-June and and then let all the, the seeds develop and then they get harvested uh, probably by August, and then we we put them in a cooler until we sow them in, in, in December. So last year, I think we produced about 10,000 seeds, and we will expect about only a third of those to germinate. That That's the, the average. But we're undertaking six 700 intended crosses a year to generate those 10,000 seeds. This year, we've got to about 300 new varieties that are uh, becoming what I call near markets. So there are some of them we've been looking at now for the, the last three years or so, and we're already starting to bulk up those. But we will be looking at 3,000 uh, mature new seedlings that have grown all through last year, and we'll be flowering those properly um, during April. And, of course, we will throw all but maybe 100 of those 3,000 seedlings away. One of the uh, aims you've had is to make clematis more compact, isn't it? Yes. um, Back in in the mid-1900s when I formed a a breeding joint venture with the Poulsen Rose Company from Denmark, we, we sat down and thought, well, what would the world's gardeners need you know, in, in 10 years' time or so? And we decided that people would have probably more leisure time, but they would perhaps have less time for gardening um, because there would be so many other leisure activities that they could take and uh, get involved with. So we decided that it would be better to have more compact clematis that were ideal for smaller gardens and small city gardens. And so we set about the task of creating these. I think I listed up perhaps about 15 different criteria that we needed from the plants. And I remember the first seedling came into flower. It was a purple plant. I'm sure we threw it away a long, long time ago. But you know, it was started flowering at about three inches, seven centimeters above the top of its pot. So uh, that, that was good. So yes, we've been able to create clematis that are more compact, that will flower longer, give people much better value for money. They, they'll have um, more flowers on, on a plant. And the, the other important thing is was actually the pruning of clematis because when I wrote that early book, as you mentioned, I know I listed probably three or four or even five different pruning techniques. And uh, today's gardeners really don't have time to, to read reference books and see how they got to prune the individual clematis. So what we've done with, with our new, new clematis, um, the, with the single uh, flowered ones, all of them quite simply can be cut down to six inches, 15 centimeters above soil level at the end of winter, so end of February, early March. And with the double varieties, those uh, just need um, one third of their top growth uh, cut away. So we've simplified uh, really the gardening with clematis for their compact habit and, and their pruning. So the other great thing uh, with our hybrids that we've been able to create 
If you look at um, the lovely old varieties like Nelly Moser or the President, and if you grow them in very cold areas and the top growth gets cut back down to soil level, well, then you have to wait until probably August, certainly in the UK, before they'll come into flower with those large flowers. But with our varieties, because of the genetics behind them, even if they do get killed back um, to soil level, then they will be up and in flowering, certainly in June, with, with their large flowers. And that happens, too, with, with the double ones. One of our double varieties, Diamantina, I know I was speaking to someone in Minnesota ooh, a few summers ago, and they'd had a very severe winter with temperatures minus 20 Celsius. And someone had a plant in their garden of Diamantina had been killed right to ground level but by June it was up to nearly six feet and flowering fantastically with its fully double flowers though that would not have happened with the old double varieties like Duchess of Edinburgh or Bell of Woking or Vivian Pennell because with those old varieties you really needed to retain the old wood for them to produce those early double flowers. You've mentioned a lot of those um, heritage varieties, cultivars that we know quite well, but then you whet our appetite with the newcomers. Give us uh, some of your latest really compact growing kinds uh, uh, in a range of colours. One of the most exciting ones, uh, if I start with, with last year at the Horticultural Trades Association New Plant Show at Stonely, our, our Clematis Elodie uh, won best in category. I think it won a gold medal and then it had the People's Award for the best new plant at, at the show, so beating, I guess, several other several hundred other new plants. And Elodie, that only grows to about six inches in flowers, and it has almost almost what would call a large-flowered hybrid. So Elodie is a, is a sort of a, a, a mauvey pink, a dusky color, uh, but it's an ideal plant for going in window boxes, or if people have the smallest of balconies, then it's an ideal plant for that. So we see that very exciting, and of course we've been using that in our breeding work for the last few years. Our most popular variety is um, is Rebecca, which is a, a very large uh, red-flowered clematis, which uh, was named after my eldest daughter. The clematis Rebecca will grow up to nearly six, six feet uh, and will flower more or less from May on and off of September, but if it's very hot, it, it will rest. Of other other new ones, um, Bijou was one of the earliest of our very, very compact ones. Bijou will only grow to about 12 inches in height and flower. Bijou is a, is a dusky, um, purpley blue, um, and we called it Bijou. That's the Guernsey French for meaning jewel-like. I think one of my favorites, I guess, is Samaritan Joe. We named that uh, the Samaritans in the UK were celebrating their uh, 60th anniversary, a Samaritan Joe has um, a, a pinky, slightly purple flower, but it has really almost reddish purple edges to uh, to the sepals. So it's it's very very pretty indeed, and has has a, ye- a yellow centre. Now, just one one or two quick words about uh, the kind of compost that people should put and the size of container. Rule number one is that the container must not be plastic. Plastic pots will heat up too much in the summer. Uh, Clematis love a cool root system. And of course, plastic pots really won't give any protection to the roots of the clematis during the winter. So the container really ought to be a minimum of 18 inches, 45 centimeters by 18 inches, 45 centimeters diameter. 
must really have good drainage. So use terracotta pots, use um, half barrels, um, uh, or, or you know, quite a range of, of, of modern materials. There's some beautiful ceramic containers sold in garden centers, but many of them don't have good drainage holes, and that's absolutely vital. Clematis love plenty of water, but they don't like cold, wet feet, as, as I say. I think, obviously, if people can get the, the good, genuine John Innes compost number three, uh, that, that's good. But for feeding clematis, then quite simply, uh, you can use uh, tomato fertilizer. Rose feed is very good. If I was very commercial, I suppose I should say you would use Raymond Everson clematis fertilizer, but I'm not that commercial feeder. <laughs> now, finally, we have to take you right up to the uh present day, Raymond, what are your plans for the Chelsea Flower Show in May if if the coronavirus doesn't uh, upset us? Uh, uh, I understand it's already upset your journey to China this year. Yes, really sadly, I was due to be in China for the whole of April uh, looking for plants um, in, in the wild, but mainly to put up uh, two exhibits, one uh, large exhibit in Beijing, but the Beijing IPM show has been cancelled. And then I was going down to Hongyui down near Hangzhou. Um, sadly, those, those, those plans have had to be changed. So this year for Chelsea, for us, we will have um, a seascape uh, again, but it will be very different to what we've done in the past. In fact, there will be a broad walk where people can walk, in theory, through the sea, because there will be, on either side of the broad walk, there will be a sea of blue clematis, and there will be a thread of white flowers, like the crest of the waves. And then on each side, we will have uh, five boats, and the boats will be really floating on the sea of blue clematis, or some of them will be beached. And there we will be uh, showing, I think, ooh, at least 30 of, of our cultivars that are suitable for, for that exhibition. And we will be launching Clematis Olympia, which is our, our new introduction to the Raymond Everson Clematis brand for this year. Olympia is a, is a nice um, mid-blue, mid and it's very, very free-flowering. It really is a great plant, and uh, it's really ideal for our growers around the world because, uh, you know, they just put it in a pot and it flowers really well for them. Raymond, thank you very much for joining us today, uh, and congratulations. It's just unbelievable what you've achieved in your working lifetime. I very much look forward to meeting you at Chelsea uh, and taking to the waves on all those blue clematis. Peter, that's really kind and very generous. Thank you very much, and I've enjoyed speaking to you too. We've known each other for such a long, long, long time. What's on? Well, it's the Meadowcroft Pansy and Viola Festival from the 14th of March. Uh, and if you uh, are anywhere near Essex, then uh, they have 560 different cultivars of Pansy and Viola coming from 14 breeders. Pretty colourful they are. Oh, and it's the National Sweet Pea Society annual general meeting at Nuneaton. If you're a bit interested in sweet peas, you can get amongst some real enthusiasts at that annual general meeting. My thought for the week, sow a seed and grow a dream. Warm soil you need actually for sowing seeds, but in the next week or two, you can be sowing annual flowers outside and uh, with luck your dreams will come true.
My thanks to this week's sponsor, Sutton's of Torquay. And of course, to my producer, Rich Jarman. And to you for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.